Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. There are many different paths you can take. But there's only one road to Atlanta. The high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Dansby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzy Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for an inside the Parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on BatteryPower.com, where I've been the deputy site manager since 2018 and the minor league editor since 2015. Joining me, as is every week now, you may follow him over on Twitter at BravesMILB1 Garrett Spain. Garrett, how are you, my friend? I am doing well. Uh, Seem to be completely over that bug that was bothering me a couple weeks ago, and I'm feeling good, so ready to get a uh, full podcast going. Yeah, there's kind of a slow like a slow viral thing that's making its way through the minor league crew. Like it took you a couple weeks and now Wayne's not feeling great and he's having a tough time getting over it. I'm kind of a little scared. Although I guess I had my bug earlier this year. So maybe I'll be okay. I I'll, I'll just assume that I'll be fine. And I've, I've already kind of had, you know, gotten my, you know, been through my spell with it. Uh, we are recording this on Monday, June 20th, and this is going to be the, a show where we obviously we're going to go through and we're going to do our normal breakdowns of what's been going on, just the quick highlights of, you know, at each level, Gwinnett, Mississippi, all the way through even to Complex Ball. But we did want to take some time this evening to at least begin the conversation about the MLB draft. It's coming up in the middle of July. It'll be happening during the All-Star break. It's Turning into more and more of an event now where the first round, they're, they're trying to get as many of those guys. They're actually going to be on site, going on stage like it is in other sports. They finally actually committed some resources and a, a real time slot to the draft, which has been great. But we haven't really started really digging into our coverage there. And you're going to be seeing more and more of that coverage happening over on BarryPower.com. We've we already have been covering the mock drafts. If you're wanting like individual what the each individual mocks have been have been going, you can go to those write ups. And we also already have a primer on the site. You just have to do is search Braves 2022 MLB Draft Primer, and that article is already there. It talks a little bit about where they're picking, how much their bonus pool is, all that stuff. All that stuff's going to be really useful for you if you're just getting into you know minor league and amateur baseball and you don't really understand what's going on with the draft, what rules changes have gone into play, what ones haven't yet gone into play. These are all important things to kind of know about the draft this year. Um, the Braves are picking in 20th overall this year. They have an extra pick after the second round once they lost Freddie Freeman. Beyond that, you know, they're be kind of, they're picking in that bottom third of the of the every round again. So it's kind of having to be really selective in how they're using their money. Uh, they do have a, a I would call it a middling bonus pool this year. So they might be able to do some stuff, but I would imagine that the the most of the bonus pool shenanigans are going to be those teams that just have crazy bonus pool money, like the Orioles who have basically you know had to lose for a decade to basically draft whoever they wanted to for the last few years. However, all of that said, what we did want to do, and I wanted to get Garrett's thoughts down too, because we actually haven't talked in the podcast on it. We've talked about it a bunch in our group chat, is about the guys specifically that have been connected to the Braves. We're not going to talk yet about who we prefer. We're not going to kind of get into like, you know, like any real projections because it's still pretty early. College World Series is still going on. Uh, there's still, the, the, you know, all the information from the combine, all that stuff. We haven't really gotten all those updated reports yet. Team meetings are going on right now, so we're not going to do too much of that quite yet. But there have been some consistencies, Garrett, in what names have been mocked 
to the Braves. To the for the most part, we've had a couple other names that have been a little more wild cardy, but there's been two names in particular. They're both college arms. I know this is going to be a shock to anyone who's been following the Braves draft strategy in the first round in the last few years, but they have been heavily connected to two the same two names over and over again, along with some other ones. So, Garrett, talk to us a little bit about the names that have been mocked to the Braves so far. Yeah, the main two that you're going to see is uh, the right-handed pitcher from Gonzaga University, Gabriel Hughes, and the left-handed pitcher from Oregon State, uh, Connor Cooper Jerpy. Apologies for that. Uh, Those are the main two that you've seen so far. Um, And in both cases, I mean, I've you know, in the, tw- you know, at the 20th overall pick, I'm fine with either pick. I kind I tend to like Jerpy more than most. I think, I think, you know, he's kind of, you know, with pitching being a little weird, he has a very weird delivery and being a little weird is actually very useful to a pitcher. And so I think his stuff plays a lot better than it is as his raw stuff. And, and I like him a lot. He was just fine. Uh, he's a hard thrower who has a, pretty deep arsenal of pitches who can command it fairly well. I mean, both are guys that in the back third of the draft are not bad pickups. I wouldn't say other are particularly exciting, but they're not anything that is going to disappoint me in any way. Um, And then a few other names that we've had connected would be Justin Campbell, who he's a big guy, but he doesn't throw particularly hard. And so he's not a guy that I'm, hugely on now if the Braves think that they can unlock some more velocity from him that could be interesting but overall he's he's he's, he's from Oklahoma State right yes I think think that's right yeah yeah and he you know he's six seven he's a big guy long levers uh and commands the ball fairly well for his size but he's not a guy that really has blown me away so far Thomas Harrington uh from Campbell is a guy that I actually like a lot uh he has a really great change up um, from the righty, and I'm in. I'm, I'm in. I, I yep. love changeups. I love changeups, and he's a guy that if you look at his delivery, he doesn't use his lower body as efficiently as he could. You know, he doesn't follow through as much as you would see other guys. And there is some. I think there could be some potential for them to get him into the system and add a little bit of velocity. His velocity is kind of averages to a tick above average. You know, it's nothing exciting, but it's a guy that. If they see something mechanically, they may be able to add some velocity too. But for sure, his off-speed stuff is great, especially that changeup. Uh, the changeup's one of the better changeups in the draft this year, and he's a guy that would be another player that I like more than most and would be fine with at 20. I would be very happy with him at 20. And another name that we've seen a little bit is Justin Crawford, uh, prep outfielder, the son of Carl Crawford. I don't I don't think he's going to be there at 20. If he is there at 20, it's a great athlete who can really hit the ball. I would love to have him at 20. I don't think it's particularly likely that he falls that far, but if he does, I, I'm all in on that pick. Yeah, I'm, I'll touch on Crawford first. I, I'm with you. I, 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 I would like the pick. You know, there's a bit, a lot of projection on him in terms of like, you know, like the amount of power he'd have. I'm a little bit skeptical on that end, but I do think he can hit and he can obviously run. And he'll be an up the middle type of guy. So for getting that type of athlete at 20 would be great. I do think that there's the, the types of teams that are right ahead of the Braves specifically. Maybe he doesn't go. I, I, we've seen him mocked high too, right? He's been mocked as high as like 13, I think I've seen. So I'm a little bit skeptical that he he's getting enough attention where I think he won't be there at 20. If he's there, I am very, very interested in, in maybe a, a full slot pick to pick him up. Um, and, you know, that's not really what the Braves have done, which is kind of where I kind of get to my second point where I'm a little bit doubtful here, is that what the Braves have much preferred to do where they're picking in drafts so lately is to go under slot with that first pick or their first two picks and have money to spread around because they get more. They have gotten great value. Uh, and I think it's fair to I think we've been very happy with how those picks have gone. Those day two type value picks, though, not necessarily going over slot in round two for a big name because they just haven't had that kind of bonus pool money. They just haven't. Again, there's teams that have twice their bonus pool and it's because they're picking number one and they, you know, every free agent that's, you know, worth a damn, they end up letting go and they give a qualifying offer to. So they just get these giant bonus pools and they end up getting two or three first rounders every year. And it's because they can throw money around. I don't think the Braves can do that. But what I, they have liked to do is to save some money on with guys that they like and then go and, you know, pay a little bit more for prep guys on day two that they that they like. They think they can get some real value out of. And again, we've seen that, that those 
dividends have paid just the last couple of drafts. You know what I mean? Uh, the no looks actually mean the 2020 draft where, you know, that was the entire, that was a, a weird aberration where we won't see a five round draft again. At least I hope not. Um, so I don't think that he's, I think the Braves really like him and that we actually heard his name come up a couple times, like as a guy that if they wanted to go that route, that they would certainly be interested in him. But I don't think that's the strategy they're going to end up employing. I think what they're going to do is kind of going for that value sort of college arm in the first round and then kind of see where the chips fall in, you know, from rounds two on. Um, there's two guys. It, it is kind of interesting. There's like there's two guys that aren't I wouldn't call them particularly projectable uh, in in Jerpy and Campbell. Uh, I don't I'm not a big fan of Campbell. I just I don't I, I know that the results have been pretty decent in a real in a pretty hard conference. And that, that stuff does matter, particularly the way the models uh, bear out for how the Braves look at college pitching. But I think that there's other guys that are going to be on the board that are be as good, if not better than his, both in the models as well as just in pure stuff. Uh, I don't see much in the way of projection there, and I think it's going to take a lot of kind of squinting your eyes and hoping that he's pretty good. Um, I actually do like Jerpy, too. Uh, the, the funky delivery is cool. He, he's played really well in uh, in this college pitching class, which is an important thing to note here. He's done well for himself just by staying healthy. A lot of the guys who are going to be first-round college pitchers ended up got, getting hurt, and it's going to be really interesting what happens with those hurt arms like Peyton Paulette, uh, even Connor Prelip, who's back and has been throwing bullpens, and he was in consideration for, like, top five picks, and now he's back. He, what Does he go in the first round, or do teams try to sign him in the second round with savings from other picks or with, you know, their massive bonus pools? Uh, all these other hurt arms that are just floating around – are they going to get – where are they going to get picked? How much are they going to get paid? But for guys like Jerpy, who, again, in a perfect world where all these guys were around, he's probably more of a sandwich round pick. He's probably more of that, you know, that, that first comp round type of guy, very bottom of the first type. But he's performed well, and he's stayed healthy. And now all of a sudden, in a college pitching class that just doesn't have a lot of healthy guys, he has a deceptive delivery that he's, it's really hard for hitters to pitch, pick up his pitches, and he's performed well. I'm I like guys like him as long as their funky delivery remains consistent and they can command their ball, command their pitches. Because if their delivery is funky, I I certainly think it adds deception. It's just all about making sure that the command is there. And so far that's been there for case. But there are two guys in Harrington and Hughes that seem more projectable. And in Hughes' case, it's physical projection. They think that they can add, he can add some weight and he can actually add some velocity. He's already throwing pretty hard. The issue with Hughes right now is that he's actually getting liked enough. He's been performing well enough at Gonzaga, and the general idea out there is that there might be more in the tank, that he might actually be in that kind of that group just ahead of the Braves, too. He's getting mocked at 17, 16. You know, we've, we're seeing him start to go in these mocks before the Braves are picking, so he may not be available. Um, and again, he's a guy who's perform a college pitcher who's performed well uh, against good competition and who has some projection in this draft. College arms are going to be the like, college arms that you're going to be happy about are going to be hard to find. And he's going to be one of them. So he, the Braves just might not have access to him. Harrington's an interesting one uh, because I'm with you. I think that they that there's a, a general consensus that if he gets put in a better system for developing pitchers and that's not a knock on the small college that he goes to, he's just not it's not anywhere close to a, a pro development type situation and, you know, getting him in there and, you know, being able to, you know, get his lower half involved, make his mechanics maybe a little bit more efficient and, and online to the plate. There's more life there. And I'm, I mean, you, you and I have talked about this for years now. Uh, give me a guy that can throw a change up. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's weird because we were so kind of iffy on Schuster <laughs> for a while, given how good his changeup is, because I'm with you. I really like a changeup. I think it makes things a lot easier. It's um, a, a way to punish uh, opposing hitters who think that they have a, a great read on your on on your either your on your breaking ball and sit on it uh, because they see something that's a little slower, and then by the time they realize it's a change changeup, it's a little too late, uh, and they swing right under it. Um, but yeah, those are the five names that we have seen so far mocked to the Braves. Uh, again, that's four college arms and then the, the prep outfielder and Justin Crawford. We are going to do more in-depth coverage uh, as we get closer to the draft. But those are just some, some names I wanted to put in our listeners' ears. So, Garrett, this is the part of the show where we talk about what's going on at each level. We're going to start with our guys at in the major leagues, of which they are dwindling. Uh, we're, we're seeing guys graduate, and they're kind of just not our, our guys anymore. But one guy in particular who has just singled in this game and just keeps on hitting and keeps on impressing everyone uh, is – Still technically a prospect. It uh, doesn't seem like it's going to be that way for much longer, but talk to us a little bit about what's going on in the majors. Michael Harris the second has 
exceeded all of my expectations so far. I mean, this is a guy that we love, right? I mean, obviously we loved him. He was our top prospect. He's a guy that we think is a franchise cornerstone type player, but I expected him to struggle. And he did kind of that first week. It, it was very clear. Maybe like the first was, four games or something. Right. It was very clear that he had been called up straight from double A with very limited experience, but he's gotten better and more comfortable every single game. And I mean, at this point it's, he's very obviously the, one of the best outfielders on the team, you know, one of the two best outfielders on the team, the second best outfielder on the team. And, you know, I, he's not going to sustain this sort of production where he has like a 140 WRC plus. But if he's a guy that's an above average hitter, and right now he looks like he's going to be a well above average hitter already with his defense, his base running, everything. I mean, what he's done so far, I mean, there will be times where the major league pitchers are going to figure holes out in his game. But we've seen it before, and we've already seen it so far with him at the major league level. He is – he works very hard. He's very good at making adjustments and working with the team to make those adjustments. You know, they adjusted his swing right after he came up to the major league level, too. He has all of the – I like the change. Tools. Yeah. Yeah, he has all the physical tools, all the mental tools. He's starting to drive the ball better the last couple of weeks. I mean – He's exceeded my expectations already. This is a guy that's just – he is what we thought he was, which is a guy that solidifies this team and solidifies the center field position, hopefully for the next decade or so, because, I mean, he's an extremely exciting player already. Absolutely. And, that again, that pretty much exhausts our guys. Spencer Strider, you know, he's he's a fixture in the rot- in the rotation now. William Contreras, he's – you know, in that battery with Travis Darno, uh, being what uh, the Braves have done it again with putting together a, a, a tandem of catchers that ends up being some of the best catcher production in all of baseball. So that brings us to the Gwinnett Stripers, which is decidedly less exciting these days, uh, mainly because they've filled the roster out with a whole bunch of quad A types and basically extended bench bats. But there are some interesting sto- storylines happening down in Gwinnett, including one big lefty who's been pitching pretty well lately, Garrett. So talk to us a little bit about what's going on at AAA. Yeah, the the most impressive player this year has been Kyle Muller at that level. He was a guy that we had kind of talked about a couple of weeks ago. He wasn't really necessarily dominating, it felt like. But if you look at his numbers, he's better across the board. His strikeouts have ticked up from about 10.5 per nine to 12. He's cut his walk rate from 4.7 per nine to 2.7 per nine, which is, I mean, if he's going to walk guys at that level, that completely changes his profile because that's really the weakness that we have with him is he walks so many guys. He's looked a ton better. I mean, the work he's put in this year, he's more confident with attacking the zone and he'll, and we've seen interviews with him where I'll say this too. He feels better about his approach to the plate, about coming in there with a plan and executing that plan. And he's a guy that if the Braves need pitching, you know, need a six starter, going forward in the next few weeks. He's a guy that's going to get a look because he deserves it at this point. I mean, he's been the best pitcher on the roster for them and has been absolutely electric for them. I mean, this is as good as we've seen him as a pro. You know, his last game this week, he gave up three runs all in the first inning. He, like the first, three of the first four batters got hits. One of those was a three-run home run. And then he sat down the next 19 in a row. I mean, it's just... What he's done this year has been a huge change for him, and I really like what we've seen. Um, Tuki Toussaint on that pitching staff, uh, he's we've seen them <laughs> do back. this before. He's back. He was gone for a couple of weeks. He's back. He appeared out of the bullpen. Now, this is not the first time he has appeared out of the bullpen. And the previous times, he's been moved back into the rotation fairly quickly. It will be interesting to see if this is a permanent move. I do think if it doesn't happen now, it's going to happen fairly soon. I, I don't see him as a starter at this point, especially with the amount of arms that they have. Um, but he did well in his return, and we'll kind of see. You know, that'll be what we keep an eye on, whether he is in the bullpen long term or whether this is just, ah, uh, he's coming back from injury. Let's work him back slow. I'm kind of hopeful that they're going to go ahead and move him. We'll see where that goes. The rest of the pitching staff has been eh, in and out. Waskari Noah had an okay-ish start last week. Bryce Elder has continued to struggle more than we expected from him. But, you know, I think we expected that rotation to be really, really good. And overall, really outside of Muller and the occasional Davidson start, it hasn't been that great. But what we've seen from Muller, I mean, that's 
a huge step for him. Offensively, we did not see Braden Shoemake last week. Um, we don't really know the deal with that. They, there's been a few guys that have disappeared for a few weeks and never went on the IL, so we don't just don't know the deal with him. Um, Drew Waters is continuing to not drive the ball as much as we want to see. He's not drawing a lot of walks. He's not really driving the ball, which is a very bad sign. The one good thing you can say is he is not striking out a lot lately, which is something that is a very important progression for him. And it looks like he's kind of, it seems like to me, he's at a point right now where he's, they're kind of trying to throw things at a wall and find that adjustment that helps it click for him. And they're working on it. It's just, he's kind of in that transitional phase where they don't really exactly have like that final plan for him, but seeing him take that step and, you know, he struck out about 17% this month. If he can do that and, and, get back to walking at a somewhat reasonable rate, hitting the ball as hard as he does consistently. He could very quickly regain that prospect status. Uh, but, you know, he's lost a lot of glimmer in a lot of guys' eyes. And, you know, hitting well, hitting better, you know, in terms of the strikeouts is a good sign. But he has to get back to consistently hitting the ball very, very hard like he was doing in A and before. And we still have not seen that at the AAA level. Yeah, I, I'm, I am going to spend some time talking a little bit about Mueller because he's been kind of uh, a fascinating case. But, you know, just a couple of notes. It's good to see Tukey Beck just back on the mound at all. We're not really sure what was going on with him. It's worth noting that Braden Shoemake was dealing with what uh, sounded like a back injury earlier in the season. I don't know what's causing his issues now and what's why he's not on the field. But it's a bummer, um, to be sure. And I would like to see him. It's, it's the last thing that he needs, right? He needs just consistent at-bats and that he hasn't been able to. This is like the second stretch where he hasn't played. I, I It's hard to know what to make of it in terms of is it the, a, a lingering the same injury or is it just something else that just got knocked him out for a week. Um, we'll, we'll find out more this week, I guess, as to who's going to be coming back and you know if he's actually going to be taking the field because the Stripers need him. They, they need some offensive production out of him. Uh, Muller's it's been fascinating because he like the month of May, you know, he was not good at all. Uh, you know, I'm looking at his ERA for the month of May was 23, which is laughably bad. But I'm going to talk about these four starts that he's made in June so far. Has a 1.69 ERA in those four starts. He has not pitched less than six innings in any of those starts. He has struck out a total of 36 batters, just four walks. Oddly enough, three of them came in the same game, and he did not give up an earned run in that game. He's clearly made some adjustments. I, I will continue to sing the praises of Mike Maroth, the pitching coach, Senate Gwinnett, till the day I die. I feel like he does a lot of really great work, and he seems like he's really – I mean, Kyle's really the one making the adjustments and doing the executing, but overall, he like Kyle's been very, very good. He's missing a lot of bats, and more, but now he's limiting those base runners, and when he's doing that, you know, the, the he, he should – be in play as a starting option for the Braves. He should be probably the next guy up. He, you know, again, he's not a guy that, I mean, like, are you going to run up Tucker Davidson again? Tucker Davidson has been doing the same thing at AAA for a long time now. He gives up a few runs. He'll strike out some guys, but you know, nothing about his profile screams, you know, there's upside. Give me a, give me a shot at it. Whereas in Kyle's case, it looks like he's made a real adjustment and, you know, again, earlier in the season, he was just he was walking a ton of guys. He would have the occasional big strikeout game, but he was giving up runs. He would have the occasional really bad game. And it just seems like in this for this month of June, just the stuff has been crisp. His breaking ball has been it, it hasn't been like kind of spiking in the dirt. He's just been, it's been diving late. Uh, the fastball command has been really good. I, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Kyle. Uh, I do wish that Victor Vodnik, I would see more out of the bullpen. Because he made one appearance last week, Garrett, just one. And I understand you want to manage his innings a little bit because he has a tendency to get hurt whenever he pitches too much. But, I mean, this is a really live arm, and I think that in his, in his last three appearances I mean, have been scoreless. He's striking out guys. I, I, he, I think he's a special bullpen arm. Uh, as bearish as I was on him as a starter, just because I just don't think that he'll be able to stay healthy there. As a reliever, I mean, he can he's going to be pumping, be threatening 100 miles an hour, um, you know, at times, and you know, it's just a really, just again, just a really live arm. I just wish we were seeing him more on the mound, and I'm not sure if they're managing something in particular, or if it, it's entirely possible in Gwinnett's case that they just have scheduled like you're on these days, 
are when we're trying to plan to throw our relievers to give guys opportunities, right? It's entirely possible that's the case. I do wish that they were giving Vodnik some more opportunities because I think that amongst relief arms, he's one of the more interesting ones that the Braves have in their system. And we kind of forget about him a little bit at times because, frankly, he just doesn't throw a whole lot. So it's uh, just something to kind of keep uh, monitor. So this brings us to the Mississippi Braves, who, without Michael Harris, I mean, basically they've had a couple decent pitchers. And, you know, once they lost Michael Harris, that offense got really kind of rough. So I guess we got to talk about him, though, Garrett. So what's going on in Mississippi? Talk to us a little bit about what, uh, who's been performing well and who maybe hasn't. Yeah, I mean, this was a team that we kind of liked coming into the year, but, you know, Harris is gone. Um, Jesse Franklin's out for the year. We have not seen Luke Waddell in this entire month, I believe. Um, yep, he's, he's he's been gone since the end of May. I mean, you know, he's not on the I.L., but, it, you know, this is one of the guys we were talking about. He's not on the I.L., but we really don't know where he is. Uh, Drew Lugbauer's strikeouts are ticking up. C.J. Alexander has been good at times, not so good at other times. It's just – it's a team that's just not – very deep offensively. There's just really nothing there offensively. But the pitching staff, I mean, there's a lot to like with that pitching staff. I don't think that, you know, Jared Schuster has been fantastic this year. He struggled last week. And this is the first time, you know, in his previous outings where he had bad outings, it was because he started walking guys. This was the first outing where he really got hit hard. He gave up a couple home runs. And so it's this is the first time we've seen him, like, actually get hit hard this year. I'm not like if he has one bad outing every now and then where he gets hit hard, that's fine. It's not a big deal. Just hope it doesn't become a consistent. He gets back into giving all home runs like he did last year. That's really our main concern with him. Um, Freddie Tarnock has been inconsistent, but last week he had his command and he looked fantastic. One run over five innings. He struck out eight guys. He's like, we love the arm talent there. It's just about the consistency with the command. When it's there, he is the best pitcher on the team. And it's pretty a pretty decent margin when he is commanding the ball. He is very, very hard to hit, but when he's not commanding the ball, it can get ugly pretty fast. Um, but the guy last week that his first outing of the week was not all that great, but his second one was yep. the best we've seen. Yep. That's Darius Vines. We've talked about it with him. You know, he gives up too many home runs. Well, and it seems like every outing he'll throw six innings and he'll look great. And then he'll give up the three run home run. And it's, ruins the whole game for him he didn't do that this week he had seven scoreless innings nine strikeouts no walks and this is what we want to see from him when he can avoid that one mistake in the game he really every single game that he's had so far when he avoids that one mistake he looks fine he's just really making that mistake too often if we see more of this from him, he's a, he's a guy that we like a lot. We like the talent there. We do want to see – we would love to see him at velocity, but we think that the breaking stuff is – the breaking stuff and the changeup is good enough for him to survive if he can command the edges of the zone. If we see more starts from him like this, we're going to start talking about him more, and he's going to start getting that attention as a guy that we think has starting potential long term. He's just kind of on the fringe right now, and we're not 100% sure what to do with him. Yeah, I think that on occasion, and it happened a couple times in that good stars that he got some rise out of his fastball, just kind of that late up movement that really I think would serve him well because his secondaries in his last start were nasty, absolutely nasty. And if you can kind of pitch off his fastball as long as he can kind of get that sort of movement and avoid the heart of the zone with it, because again, it's it's a low 90s fastball, and a lot of the time it it drifts where it's dangerous, like dangerously hittable. Uh, and that's what happens. Those, th- those are the kinds of mistakes he makes. He doesn't necessarily hang breaking balls out too often, or, you know, just, you know, like throw a really firm change up, like right in the, like right in the sweet spot. He, the, it's the mistakes of the fastball that really end up biting him the most. And if he can kind of continue to really refine that fastball command, you know, he's a guy that we talked about Schuster in the same way. It's like, you know, if he can, he either has to throw harder or he has to really command the crap out of the fastball. One of those two things. And, he, you know, we saw that with Vines that when he's commanding it, he is very hard to hit because his secondaries get some silly, silly swings. Uh, I was really nice. It was really nice to see Freddie Tarnock have a, a good start again. Uh, I'm with you that he has the most upside of the whole, of the whole staff, to be certain. Uh, but I, I've, we've been burned by him so many times. It was such a good year last year, too, which is what's so frustrating about it. It's that we finally thought that he had you know gotten consistent, 
consistency with his delivery, you know, being able to command all his pitches. And he t- it's, it's been a pretty significant step back this year. Hopefully this is the start of something good where he can kind of stay online and continue to be this sort of guy where he can throw strikes when he needs to and get swings and misses when he needs to, because, you know, the, the version of Freddie Tarnock that was in Florida forever. And, you know, was just a guy who just gave up four runs every outing with, you know, would walk too many guys and would not strike out anywhere close to the number of guys he should considering the quality of his stuff. I'm not, you know, that uh, to be blunt, I'm just kind of overseeing that. Uh, and again, Schuster wasn't particularly great. He overall, he has been very, very good this year. But the last month, maybe month and a half or so, he's he's come back to earth a little bit from that like otherworldly start to the season. Now he's kind of you know hitters are kind of figuring out a little bit. It's also worth noting that it's been unbelievably hot this past week. So in terms of like guys not performing particularly well, uh, especially on the mound, I'm probably going to give them a little bit of a a pass uh, considering just how hot it's been. <laughs> uh, I'm a little bit surprised that any of these guys just don't pass out on the mound, but uh, overall, you know, it, it was nice to see the, the, the quality starting pitching from Mississippi. Just wish they would, you know, they could hit. And unfortunately just all their best guys just keep going down. Uh, I will say that it sounds like from no, this isn't a confirmation or anything. It sounds like the, just the way, you know, I mean, Waddell is still kind of around the team, but the, I've heard whispers that there might be a back injury there too, which again, I'm not really sure what to make of like, you know, back injuries to both Shoemake and now Waddell. <laughs> but, you know, these are the things that kind of happen where you just, you, you sometimes when you, you just get hurt in this game and, you know, by a weird coincidence, it's these back injuries and, you know, a back injury can keep you out for a while, but I have no indication of whether or not that's actually, like, I don't have, you know, this isn't me reporting anything. It's more whispers that you hear uh, around and maybe he's dealing with a back injury. We'll see how long it ends up keeping him out, but he hasn't been put on the injured list. So it makes you, think that he could be back at any time, uh, depending on, you know, how serious it is. Before we get on to Rome and their offensive rampage, they went on in Asheville last uh, last week and then go through the rest of the levels. We're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Garrett, everyone in Rome was hitting the crap out of the ball last week. And I don't know how Asheville doesn't sell out every single game. I don't care how bad that tourist team is because that place, the ball just jumps out of. And between that and what Rome was doing, and again, just Rome playing well, that was a lot of fun last week. But I'm going to let you uh, kind of talk a little bit about what happened uh, because it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean... Asheville's a band box, and we expect a lot of runs when you go up there. But they scored 75 runs in six games, which is – I don't – that's just an absolutely insane amount of hitting to do. 22 of those came in one game, uh, and the guy that kind of was at the center of all of it was Vaughn Grissom, who just last week we were on him about, you know, you got to hit for more power, and then he hits two yeah. grand slams in back-to-back innings and – yeah, you know, thanks, suddenly, that. <laughs> suddenly we're like, oh, OK, there it is. Like, I mean, he was absolutely insane this week. That's it kind of like it brought his numbers kind of back up to where we think they should have been in the first place, where it was just it was kind of a reversal of where he had struggled for the week. He just kind of for the last few weeks he had struggled and then he kind of undid it all at once. It was a really ridiculous week from him. Um, Cody Milligan has hit all season. He has more walks and strikeouts this year. He's yep. a guy that he's repeating the level and he 
probably needs to go up to double A fairly soon just to kind of test him. You know, we we don't, you know, with that guy that repeating the level, it's good to see him hitting. Now let's kind of put him up to the next level. He's a guy that I don't think I think his limited power is going to prevent him from being a major league type player, but he's a guy that you push him and you kind of see what happens with the way that he's been hitting lately. Really all season he's been arguably the best hitter. He has like a top ten on base percentage in like the whole minor leagues. He's been fantastic this year. Justin Henry Malloy has been fantastic this year. He had a great week. Um, you know, he had had a little bit of a bad off week last week, and then he came in and crushed the ball again this week. He's a guy that he's going to go up a fairly good bit on our midseason list. And we're going to get a, again, a better feel for him being a college guy. Let's see him at double A, see how he handles double A pitching. And at that point, we can really get a feel for, you know, is this a top 10 guy in the system or is he more of kind of a back end of the teens type thing? We'll kind of see where he goes right now. We're maybe not going to be all in gung ho with him, but we do like him a lot. We like what we've seen. and He'll go up a lot on our midseason list. Um, no, no shot. He stays at third. Though. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a very good defender. Um, Landon season Landon Stevens had a solid week. I'm honestly surprised he didn't hit like seven home runs this week uh, with the power that he has, but he still had a really great week who, who on the team didn't really. But I mean, those are the guys, those are the four guys that really have been driving the team the whole year. Um, and that offense, I mean, they were clicking In, when you hit that well, and you have that stadium, you can do some pretty crazy things. And they did some crazy things. Um, the pitching staff did not enjoy that stadium enough. Um, Roy Bersalinas had a bad outing. He didn't get out of the second inning. He was going to get out of the second inning, and then an error happened, and it just kind of went downhill for him very, very quickly. Um, Dylan Dodd and Lissandro Santos both had not so good outings, but they they weren't complete implosions like we saw from Salinas. And some of that could be a case of it's kind of a tough stadium to pitch in and it's, you're going to give up runs there. The guy who did not give up runs and who has been the best pitcher on the team all year by a very wide margin is Andrew Hoffman. Seven it is innings a miracle. I mean, that the outing dude, is a miracle. That dude is extremely good. And he's another guy that, Come the second half of the year after the All-Star break, he's a guy that I would not be surprised to get the promotion. The problem is there's really no one at Double A that I think is pushing that promote. Like there's no one at Double A that's pushing to be promoted to Triple A, and there are five starters, legitimate starters at Double A. So I think really his problem right now might be is anybody above him going to force their way up because he is very very close to the point of needing to move to Double A. And they're going to need to make space for him because he's just been fantastic all year. Yeah, I think that what we're going to end up seeing in terms of Mississippi and Gwinnett specifically, uh, after the draft, we're going to see some roster movement. We always do. Just to, that, that, that That's kind of the big time of the year is that once the draft happens and they start trying to assign guys to pro ball and getting ready to assign guys to pro ball, that we start to see that, like, those, those big waves of promotions – uh, we're also, I mean, what I'm hearing is that it looks like we're going to be some, there's going to be some culling too. There's going to be some minor league releases because they're going to have to give some of these guys some opportunities. The Cody Milligans of the world, you know, Andrew Hoffman. I wouldn't be surprised if they move Dylan Dodd up just because he's an older guy um, and see where they have with him. I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, we see a reliever or two, relievers or two moving around. You know, Justin Henry Malloy's an option. Uh, I mean, Vaughn Grissom's going to make a pretty strong case too. I mean, he's younger, so you can kind of justify it a little bit more. Uh, I want to just kind of contextualize what Vaughn Grissom's week was. He played six games in Asheville, Garrett. He had 16 hits. And six of those hits were for extra bases, including the game that was wild, where he, like, had denied In a game where, like, there was, like, the Rome was up by, like, ten runs already. In the eighth and ninth inning, he had zero runs driven in, and he ends the game with eight with two grand slams. We actually talked about it. We we asked if, if there even we had seen a guy in the minor leagues since we've been covered, covering any of uh, this, if we've seen a guy hit two grand slams in a game, period. And we couldn't come up with anybody. Uh, we have an inkling that there's probably some weird name, like one of those weird, you know, Carolina Mudcats type guys. You know, Connor Lean was a guy that we're like, he seems like a guy that probably would have pulled that off at some point. But, uh, you know, that... 
that is obviously a very rare thing and was super cool to see. But he was just he was hitting really well all week. Still drawing some walks too. He was stealing some bases. I think it's fair to say that he's the front runner. Once I mean Spencer's already graduated, and once Michael Harris has graduated, he seems like the front runner to be the top prospect in the system. We love the bat. Uh, if he can continue to keep driving the ball, he's going to do himself a whole lot of favors and he could move pretty quickly because he has that feel for hitting. Um, definitely an open question as to whether or not he stays at shortstop. I think that's fair to say. Uh, I maybe I like him a little bit better at short than you do, but I, I'm i not certainly sold that he is just going to be like an everyday shortstop type, but the guy can flat out hit. And as long as he can do that, then he is going to find a spot and move up in one regardless of position. And now we're going to talk about the Augusta Green Jackets, who, again, remain the weirdest team in the entire system. They Their offense seems to be occasionally just insane, and a lot of times driven by the fact that they'd walk a whole ton. It was a good week for Augusta. There's some, uh, really some interesting uh, performances. Not necessarily how everything shaked out the way, as shake, shaking out the way we thought it was going to be down in Augusta. So talk a little bit about who's been good and who's been not so great down there for Ed Lowe. Yeah, I think the biggest improvement we've seen is from Makai Backstrom. He's a guy that really struggled a lot with making contact early in the season, and he still is. He struck out over the last month or so around 33% of the time. But that is actually quite a big improvement over what he was doing earlier in the season. And when he makes contact, he hits the crap out of the ball. Uh, he's drawing a ton of walks. His on-base percentage is somewhere in like the 340-ish range right now. Uh, he just he gets on base with the walks. He's hits the ball hard when he makes contact, and he's continued to make more and more contact. That's going to be the step for him is to get that 33 down to 25. And when you if you can start to slowly chip away at those strikeouts, you'll see him make a lot of progress. Um, Cade Morton is another guy that his strikeouts have gone down a ton. We love the athleticism with Morton. We love the raw power with Morton. He, again, strikes out a ton, but lately it's been right in the 25% range this month, which if he can do that, we love Morton. If he can strike out at that level, he's going to be just fine because he can really hit the ball when he makes contact and he can run a ton. He can play good defense. That's a guy that we love if he can make more contact. Cal Conley is a guy that's made a lot more contact lately. He, early in the season, seemed to be selling out for power, and it did not work at all for him. Lately, he's gotten his strikeouts down, and we're seeing a guy that we thought that we were getting, a guy that can hit the ball. He's going to have some limited power. Maybe he's not a shortstop long-term, but he can hit the ball. He plays the game hard, and we'll kind of, as an older guy, we'll see if he hits well enough to hit his way up. He's a guy that I thought was going to do a lot better than he has this year, and hopefully in the second half of the season, he turns that around fairly quickly. Brandon Mosquito has... Another good week. He had a home run last week. He just hits the ball very consistently every week. A few more strikeouts than we want to see from him. But, I mean, he hits line drives, line to line, every single week. He's just a really good hitter at this point. That's all we can say about him. Uh, J.J. Necro is a guy I don't really like. We don't really necessarily see him as a guy that we're, like, high on as a prospect, but he continues to be the best starter on that the, team. The, 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 the numbers have been good. I will say yeah. that. Oh, one, two, three ERA as a starter in like five starts. Like he's been ridiculous. Um, you know, not a guy that we're like, yeah, that's a top 30 prospect, but a guy that, hey, he fills out a role and he saves a lot of bullpen arms because at that low A level, it can get ugly in the bullpen very fast if guys start to have short outings. And he's he's done a good job of avoiding that. Um AJ Smith Shaver didn't have the best week last week. It was he had a couple of innings where he was really good and he had a couple of innings where he wasn't so good. It was one of those an inconsistent young guy where learning he moments. would right. It would just get away from him and he would get it back and it would get away from him. It it just wasn't it wasn't where we've seen with him having dominant starts, but it was a game where he was not nearly his best, and he somewhat held it together, which is a, all you want to see from a guy. When you don't have your best, go out and have a reasonable enough game to keep your team in it, and he did that. He hasn't. We haven't really seen 
in a while from him, that game where he goes out and just completely falls on his face and it gets away from him. We're seeing him more consistently find ways to make it work with what he has that day. And that's an, that's an important step for young Kai to progress and being able to succeed even when you're not at your best. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I think it's fair to say that, you know, by a wide margin, he's the most talented pitcher on that, on that Augusta pitching staff. Um, I'm, I, you're, you're, I'm slowly being worn down on Brandall Mosquita uh, as like being a real dude. The guy just keeps hitting. And, you know, like I, I'm a little bit more, I guess, uh, not quite as high on his power as you are, but I think there's, I think there's some, there's a bit of thump there and a guy that can just hit that consistently. Again, there's going to be a, a place on this roster. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get some, ask some questions about Geraldo uh, Quintero, who, uh, very famously got top 10 prospect consideration by a national publication. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you now that's not anywhere close to where we're going to have him, but he has been hitting pretty well all year. Uh, it's a, he, he swings a toothpick. He has some pretty not great exit velocity type stuff going on. Uh, and I think that a lot of what he's been doing has been BABIP driven, but he has good control of the bat. And he's a guy that, you know, we're certainly keeping an eye on too. He was another guy that has, again, like more has our eye, but he's certainly not going to be a guy that we're going to be uh, putting particularly high on a top 30, even though he might make it. Uh, Garrett, let's go ahead and round this thing out. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about complex ball uh, with the Florida complex league Braves, as well as the Dominican summer league brave teams. Um, again, not a lot of the big names to uh, report on necessarily, although there's a couple guys that we like a lot. So talk to us about what's going on in the FCL and DSL before we let folks go. Yes, yeah, so a couple of no-shows still so far. We have not seen Douglas Claude or um, Ambiros Tavares. These are guys that we really wanted to see that we haven't seen. The guy that has come back is Tyler Collins. He came back to play his first game today. Uh, he struck out three times in three at-bats and was removed from the game. Um, I'm not really concerned about him being removed just because, you know, a guy comes off injury, they're going to play it safe with him. And especially when it's, you know, like – Florida and it's like a hundred thousand degrees outside. They're not going to be like pushing that guy. They're not going to be pushing that guy when he hasn't played in two weeks, but yeah, so it's good to see him back in their lineup. Um, Another guy that we will hopefully see back very soon. um, William Woods was officially put on a rehab assignment today. He has not appeared, but he is rehabbing. This is something that you had mentioned privately before that we thought he was going to be back very soon from his uh, foot injury or lower body or whatever it is. And, you know, he's a guy that's going to factor into the Atlanta Braves this year. He's going to continue to factor in. He's a guy that we like a lot. We've seen as he's moved into the bullpen, he's really taken off. And seeing him back on the field is a good sign because he's a depth piece in the bullpen that they're going to need going down the stretch. They're going to need arms. And he's going to be a guy that's going to get a look very, very soon because he's been fantastic this season. Um Adam Shoemaker was a guy that really struggled at Augusta. He wasn't that great this week, but he had five strikeouts in two and two thirds innings, only walked a guy. I mean, that's walked one guy. I mean, that's perfectly fine. He just got hit yeah, a little yeah, bit. Don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't look at the rest of the line. Don't do it. Don't look at the the thing with the thing that makes the complex league tough is those defenders are horrible, and so you never know that, if the guy is getting You never know if a guy's getting hit hard. Or if a guy is just really unlucky, because those defenders are not good at all. And the fields are not that great. So it's kind of, it's tricky. You look at the peripherals, you still don't want to read too much into the peripherals, but the peripherals were fine. And let's just hope it was a case of bad defense in this case. Um, Jeremy Celedonio, two home runs. He's only had six at-bats this year. He has two home runs already. Um, that's a big power bat for them. You know, kind of a guy that's fringy that we're keeping our eye on. Not a guy that we're like super high on, but there's some power there. Um, Jair Casanova is 11 for 32, as many walks as strikeouts. It's a guy who's hit very well for them. Um, another bat that we're kind of keeping an eye on, a younger bat there. Down in the Dominican Summer League, um, Diego Benitez has not hit all that well, especially last week. He's not like... He's drawn a ton of walks, so his on-base percentage looks really good. He's hit for a decent amount of power. The power is better than we expected it to be at this stage. Right now, the hits haven't quite been there for him. But again, in all of these cases, we're talking about complex league numbers, and there is very really little, small sample. So. Very little to draw from them. A very small sample. You know, that's what you know. The next guy, the only other guy I have on our list is 
Orlando Gutierrez. We know absolutely nothing about him. He was an older international signing. Um, but he's about the only pitcher on the DSL team that has done anything this year. Uh, three starts, 11 innings pitch, no earned runs, 15 strikeouts, two walks. Um, I mean, I guess we'll they keep it just, eye- They just signed him. It was yeah, like, they just signed him. We'll he's kind, of, you know, kind of a guy that, like, I mean, we'll keep an eye on him because the numbers are great. We don't really know anything about him, but, hey, you might as well. He's kind of a bigger guy. You know, he's 6'2". He's got a reasonably sized frame. He's a guy that if, you know, if he comes stateside, we might get some reports on him and see if we like what we see from him. But definitely right now, the numbers are looking good for him. Yeah, absolutely. And it's worth noting that since he signed so late, he probably wasn't a particularly expensive sign. Uh, At 20 years old, you kind of want him to be out of the Dominican Summer League pretty quickly. But... Overall, you know, a nice a, a nice little addition. He's, it's going to be a nice little story, something worth keeping an eye on, especially since the numbers have looked so good. Um, well, Garrett, thank you so much for joining me this evening. If you want to make sure you never miss a single episode of Road to Atlanta, make sure you subscribe to the Battery Power podcast feed on whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcasts on, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you use. We are on it, um, and if we are on a, not on a platform that we are not aware of, let us know. We will make sure we are listed on it. Not only will you get this podcast where you'll get all your minor league your minor league fix, you'll also get the flagship pro, uh, program hosted by the great Brad Rowland, co- occasionally co-hosted by myself, also by Scott Coleman. You'll get the Daily Hammer, which is kind of our daily update. Hey, what happened in last night's game type show? You listen to it on your way into work 15 minutes. You're all caught up as to what happened in last night's game. Uh, and we also have a new show on the feed. Has yet been named. Uh, there's been names bantered around privately in back channels. But we haven't, they, I'm not sure if they've settled on a, a show name yet. But for those kind of those deep dive why uh like deep dive into one topic you know like talking about what the deal is orlando arcia going to be the answer or you know like dansby swanson's contract those deep dives drilling down on like broad topics uh steven who's been great for us over on battery power with his long form articles steven and our fearless leader chris willis have been doing a show together uh they did the show last week make sure you download that show a lot that shows those shows are gonna be a lot more evergreen so those are ones you can go back and listen to for as kind of a resource throughout the season it's not something that's going to necessarily age out after a couple weeks uh like some of our other shows when we're trying to give you updates as to what's going on those are gonna be kind of like those like if you really like listening about just talking about baseball and analytics and kind of the big topics and something that you can kind of go back and listen to and think about as you're kind of thinking about the course of a season that's the show you're going to want to make sure you listen to uh Again, that's one that's hosted by Chris Willis as well as Steven. We'll see what happens in terms of, you know, what the name of the show is, and we'll make sure we let you guys know once they've settled on one. Thank you all so much for all the support on the podcast. We greatly appreciate you supporting on the supporting the site as well. You guys have been great to us over the years, and we can't thank you enough for that. But until next time, we'll see you on the road. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.